The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. <clears throat> there it goes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Dun, dun, dun. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Even a man who's pure in heart and says his prayers at night may turn into a podcaster whenever the mood is right. <laughs> Scary. All right, so um, on that creepy note, no, this is not our Halloween show. That was a few weeks ago. Tonight we are going to be talking about one of the scariest creatures of the night, however, werewolves. Because we previously talked about vampires, and it's only fair to give their shaggy cousins a shake at the stick. Or a shaking stick. Fetch, boy. Fetch. Anyway, <laughs> uh, bad humor aside, let's talk werewolves. So, Don, what is a werewolf? Aha. See, now this is where I think talking about vampires first is a good idea. Because, like we said... We have stronger images of what a vampire is nowadays. Mm -hmm. Even though, again, we, we'd mentioned that from around the world there's different kinds, but they tend to run in, in themes. Mm -hmm. uh, defining a werewolf or a lycanthrope, I think, is the, the more common term because you don't necessarily just have to have werewolves. You can have all kinds of different animals. That's true. Well, were-creatures. There's even were-sheep and were-owls and were-other things. <laughs> were-rabbits. Were-sheep. Yeah, wear rabbits. It's, there's all kinds of uh, of wackiness, and that's part of the problem because it's hard to peg down until very recently mm -hmm. what exactly you're talking about when you're talking about a lycanthrope or a werewolf. Because mm -hmm. there's legends that go way, way, way back, like to the ancient Greeks, mm -hmm. of people who are turned into animals. Um, often because of a curse or because of like sorcery. Mm -hmm. I think it was Odysseus that on the one island his it was it Circe mm -hmm. that turned his his crew into pigs. Yes, yes, yeah, she did. Yes. So there's references to that, but that doesn't exactly fit what our modern concept of of like a wear is. Right. Well, we've got that connection with wolves for a long time. Wasn't uh, the Roman Empire was founded by, weren't they, Romulus and Remus, who were raised by wolves? Yeah, by, by, by a wolf. By, a by a she-wolf, yeah. Yeah, I forget her name. But yeah, and you're right. And again, it's that idea that it hints at that notion mm -hmm. of, of a human becoming an animal. Right. But it's it's not quite there. It's It's... The, the the idea of a, of a lichen as we know it, mm -hmm. it does come out of the idea. When we talked about vampires, we mentioned how for a long time, vampires, werewolves, and witches were all basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. And the ability to turn into an animal wasn't 
something it wasn't a specific cast of beastie it was a power that like a sorcerer could get mm-hmm. by making pacts with evil or if you go even further back if you go before before there was a europe again mm-hmm. looking at like the ancient greeks and the romans there were sorcerers in that that could transform you into an animal right it wasn't its own thing and then that's partly why you get things get blurred because vampires can also turn into animals mm-hmm. but that wasn't something specifically ascribed to the vampire it was part of this bundle of evil that you get when you sell your soul mm-hmm. to whoever it is you want to so it, it it's it's difficult to narrow it down right what's well, always been there yeah huh that is a good point that is a good point and involves many legends i think many aboriginal cultures of one form or another and ancient cultures all had their legends about people turning into wolves or men who could become bears you know that that was that tribe over there that you stayed away from because their men could become bears right <laughs> things like every time that. I say hmm? every time you say that that just sounds funny in the modern context it does doesn't it uh that place is full of bears <laughs> anyway so all right so uh... part, part of our audience gets that joke but <laughs> Right. Anyway, but um, yeah, so although I would argue that most of it was, you know, hitting the little peyote a little hard and some of the other uh, psychedelic substances, I suspect, uh, was what was actually going on in most cases. But people did claim they could turn into uh, were, were creatures of various kinds or turn into animals. Yeah. But we should probably bring it around to the modern context then. So how would you think it evolves I think to look at that, there's kind of four, they're not beasties in and of themselves, but there's kind of four categories of critter Mm -hmm. that I think can be interpreted as a were or add to the were. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the idea of the human that turns into an animal. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the, what most people nowadays think of. Right. There's also the idea of the human who gives into the beast within. Mm. And that ties in heavily. Uh, most most well-known example, that would be, say, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, yeah. That that idea that the transformation is is something in you. And when it comes out, it's a it it manifests physically that that Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll, people would not mistake them for each other. You could say Dr. Banner and the Hulk, too. At this point, they might be more well-known. That's that's true. And and it's, it's again, it, it's that idea that it's something inside. Because when you think about mm-hmm. Dr. Banner and the Hulk, they've done stories for the comics that, that mm-hmm. show the reason the Hulk is powered by rage is because Do- Dr. Banner, is, as like a little nerdy guy, all his life had been picked on and there was hardships and... There's one story that alludes that his father might have beaten him and his 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 mother and such. And mm-hmm. turning into the Hulk frees all of that up. And that's why the Hulk is based on rage. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And it's and and it's it's again because that ties in with a lot of modern ideas. Mm-hmm. We have the idea of weird hybridization. Right. And this is something that I think comes along more in modern stories Mm -hmm. like in the 20th century and on is the idea of something that's part human part animal Mm -hmm. and i'd say like uh uh, the island of dr Dr. moreau Moreau. yeah 
where he was trying to what what nowadays would be called uplift mm-hmm. that idea of like of giving animals human capabilities of speech mm-hmm. self awareness sentience that's kind of bumps into the idea in a few places as well of what aware is mm-hmm. and you have examples of that through through throughout like mythology there's always been the beastie that's part animal part human mm-hmm centaurs satars uh if you if you go back to like when the anunnaki came and created human beings to mine gold for their cosmic empire depending on who you ask mm-hmm. it's that idea that the legends say that they did something to the locals to make humans and that that whole ancient astronaut thing has that underlying it's not exactly aware but it bumps into that it's that idea that there's some strange hybridization of the human and the bestial. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing to consider, and this kind of gets what you were talking about. Like if you think of uh, a lot of say North American first nations stories and that, right. And all throughout Asia is the idea of the animal that becomes a human. Oh, okay. Because like a lot of uh, North American tribes have the idea of coyote, right? But but that idea that coyote manifests as like an animal or can take human form, a lot of like the the gods and spirits can do that. Well, that's also where there's, you get the skinwalkers. It there's that. That's a scary version relating to that kind of idea. If you look at say like uh, Japan has the kitsune, mm-hmm, true, w- which are foxes that they're fox spirits, but they're essentially foxes that can turn into human form to trick people. Yep. That kind of thing's common. And then that ties into it because one of the aspects that you always got with wares, mm-hmm. and we mentioned this for for in our vampire episode that they kind of traded places, was it's that question of how much human is human and how much human is still that primordial animal. Right. And that's kind of the underlying thing to all four of these ideas, that there's an intermix that happens. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. That that makes absolute sense. Um, and so do you think that... Huh. Actually, in some ways, I guess you almost kind of went in an odd order because I would mm-hmm. say that probably the, the most primordial one of them all is the last one on your list, is the idea right. that animals can take human form and become uh, one with us. I mean, mm-hmm. that's an idea that's, that you could find through every culture and uh, through legends throughout history. The idea right. of animals taking on human form or human characteristics and um, connecting with people, sometimes breeding with them and marrying them, sometimes um, doing, sometimes tricking them, etc. The idea that there's these shapeshifters all around us that are kind of like animal spirits that can transform or hire animals. Mm-hmm. And then... From there, we kind of go to which well, which one would come next? Do you think? Uh again, it's it's hard to tell because there's so many different things mm. that intermingle, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't think like we mentioned for vampires that when you get to the early 1800s, mm-hmm. they became popular figures and stories, right? And you had kind of a codification that peaks with dracula right widow's peaks with dracula perhaps that the image is settled in 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 people's minds and society's minds that's Mm. 
what a vampire is. Right. But for, like, the where, I really don't think you see that until much, much, much later on. I would agree with you about that. As someone who loved reading about werewolves when I was a kid, that they, werewolves and vampires and those kinds of uh, beasties, there does seem to be a, um, a point, and I would argue maybe it might be the first werewolf movie, where... Mm. They kind of, we get the idea of the half man, half wolf thing. Like prior to that, in fiction, you'll see sometimes, again, humans that could transform into animals, that kind of thing. But they weren't kind of the beasts that we know today. They're just like um, maybe a, a wolf with great intelligence or a, they just literally become an animal basically. Where they're not a hybrid like would come later on, mostly thanks to Hollywood makeup, in like the Wolfman. Yeah. Actually, there's one before. There is one before, okay. The Wolfman is kind of the the pinnacle, mm-hmm. the, the, the 1941 right. version. But in 1935, there was Werewolf of London. Oh, okay. And that's what I think is the first time we really had it codified. Because it's, if I remember correctly, he the, the main character is like a botanist. Mm-hmm. And he finds this rare plant and he gets beat bit by this, this like wolf looking thing. Right. And it infects him. Mm-hmm. And he finds it's linked to this, to this plant that I, I think, I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But it's linked to this plant and he can make a cure that temporarily wards it off. Mm-hmm. But he starts transforming into what we consider Wolfman. Uh, the only catch with that one is, oh, I forget who, who starred in it. Right. But he didn't want to sit for hours to do the makeup. Right. And that's why he just kind of looks like a, like a, more like a crazy dude than an actual animal. Right. Okay. Makes sense. And a lot of people when the movie came out, it, it alludes more to Jekyll and Hyde. Right. Because if you remember Jekyll and Hyde, his formula is what transforms him because he's trying to separate the good and the bad. Right. And this is clearly, it's from an animal bite, but it's it's like an infection. And because he doesn't transform so much, it it reminds people of that. He just turns into like a really freaky looking angry guy. Right. Yeah. So it is more of a Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Yeah. But the one you mentioned, the Wolfman, the Lon Chaney one from 41... That, I do think, is is where you get that definitive, that's when we ha- finally have werewolves. Yeah, that's that's the earliest one that I can think of as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some references to those kinds of things throughout history, but you don't find werewolves as we would call them today, before then, really. Yeah. And then that doesn't get, even that, I would argue, doesn't really get truly codified until later on. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh wait, we might actually be wrong. Okay. Uh what's this? Um, the first film there are... to feature that. Cause I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry at this point. There is actually mm-hmm. a book. What's it? The Werewolf by Clarence Houseman. When did that come out? Because uh, there, there are other stories that allude to it, but again, they're not quite. Because mm-hmm. the oldest one I could find was a uh, Bisclavert. Bliscavret. I can't pronounce it. It's French. Okay. And it's a story about a guy who was, uh, his wife wanted to marry a knight and she ends up cursing him and he becomes a wolf. Right. And 
ultimately what happens in the story she marries this knight and this, this guy was a loyal follower of the king mm-hmm. and the he sees the king and he's trapped as a wolf but he goes up and he like bows in front of the king thinks this is an extraordinary beast i shall take it with me and he becomes like the the king's companion and when she shows up with this knight at this one like dinner he jumps up and like eats her face right and then all of her children are born with like without faces because that's part of the curse but again it's it's not Mm -hmm. quite the werewolf like we think of them yeah again they're still just they're a dog or well here they they transform just into a uh they transform into a wolf literally yeah and i think that's one of the things it was the hollywood inability to actually make it more than a guy wearing makeup that created the idea of the kind of the half and half one that we think of today whereas i yeah. don't think that those ones were yeah um i don't think those were part of the original stories let's put it that way not usually uh, because again, they, if they're a wolf, you transform into a wolf. Werewolf. Were means man, I think, in Gaelic or something, and wolf mm. is wolf. So therefore, man wolf. But that's from a long time ago. Yeah, there, there's again, it's it's one of those things when we when we talked about Dracula, mm-hmm. we mentioned how Stoker took a lot of different legends and a lot of different like stories and that and combined right. them into one meta thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, when you finally get the Wolfman movie, mm-hmm. it does that because you can find bits and pieces. Because people, mm-hmm. anytime you read something where people are trying to trace the legend of the werewolf, mm-hmm. it always gets wonky and they're always trying to pull weird things in. And I think, again, because you didn't have that strong codification till again, like the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you were kind of hitting at the, uh, the were's from say like a nordic culture yes that the the berserkers the idea that they would turn into like inhuman fiends in combat and mm-hmm. that they would be possessed by the spirit of 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 a bear or or some other some other ferocious animal and then they'd get into a frothing rage and bite their shields and scream and holler and and run into combat and and the same thing like the the celts had that yeah the the Celts had the idea of like that in battle you'd go nuts, paint yourself blue, and just charge naked at the enemy, and and you'd be possessed by these these spirits of war. And again, it's sort of bumping into that idea of 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 aware of a human that can transform and transform back. Right, but it's not it's not quite there. You get little tastes of that in different legends and stories, but you're not quite there. Because again, the 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 the, the lycanthri- ly- lycanthropy is kind of an after effect mm-hmm. to other stuff. Because that was the idea. Well, he's he's a man who turns into a wolf because that's part of his pact as like an evil warlock. Like it's it's not a or or you'd have um, mm-hmm. historically you'd have like crazy people that would just totally lose their mind and attack, and people would say he had the ferocity of a beast and. He did all of this because there's the uh, oh what the mm-hmm. hell the werewolf of Bedburg. Are you? That was like the okay late 1500s was one of those cases where it was this guy that supposedly like killed like a bunch of people and ate mm-hmm. babies and he what was his name oh Peter Stump is one of the names Peter Stump really yeah he's got a couple different names because they're not exactly sure which one it was because this is like the 1500s right and. They're not sure of the pronunciation, so that's kind of like the the North Americanized version of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, they 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 finally caught him, and and he was he was put on trial, and he was killed, and that was the idea that he turned into this hideous like wolf like beast and would would attack your children and that, but it was because he was an evil sorcerer, right? Or, that it, and and oh, sorry, I was gonna say, or at least he thought he was. Yeah, and and or at least they thought he was. Okay, could go either way. He, he could have just been a crazy guy, and then because because remember back in those days, standing out was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. True, true. That guy's unique. He's a witch. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That woman can read. She's a witch. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, because it's it's. The notion sort of comes around in, like, the 1400s. Right. Because there was a, uh... The, the, again, it was it was codification of, uh... Codification of, of different legends. Mm-hmm. And the 1400s is where you were... I, I think that was where you started to see it linked more with, with like, witchcraft and such proper. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because that was when you're you're building up to like a big, you're building up to a couple of big like uh, uh, evil runs rampant crazes. Well, yeah, people kind of um, what's the best term? People basically were a little more fear fearful during that period. Actually, I, yeah. you know what I think kind of made people freak out, especially once we get that once we get uh, post Black Death. I think right. people became a whole lot more nervous. Right. Um, for a, <laughs> the for ones a, that were left. For a couple different reasons, but I think one of the more obvious ones is think about this. Post half the population just got wiped out or more. Yeah. Actually, in some cases, more than half the population. Suddenly, the countryside is literally just filled with abandoned houses and abandoned things. It's like an apocalypse has happened. Yeah. So imagine the world that they're living in at that point, and they don't know why this plague struck everyone down. That's going to end. People have lost their parents. They've lost their families. It's going to create gener- trauma that's going to last generations and generations. Yeah. And even today, think about this. If you say, say someone, if you were to tell someone, you know, they, he's got the, you know, that dude over there has got the black plague, people would freak the hell out. Right. Why wouldn't they? Because it's still cause it's such a big part of our culture that, yeah, you know, half of our species, you know, almost got wiped out just a couple generations ago. Well, actually, less than that, because, of course, there was a smallpox less, what, about a uh, hundred years ago. We had smallpox go through the, through everything and almost wipe half of us out, too. Right. Although that wasn't half. I think they it only got a, about, what, 20 million, 30 million people? Something like that. Ah, that's nothing. I know, right? I know. <laughs> but, yeah, whatever. Um, so I can understand why at that point, especially post-Black Plague, people were pretty um, terrorized about the whole thing, about yeah. you know, the, about the world and like uh, the, um, the the forests are filled with monsters and things like that. And I, I, can, I can totally get it. I can. Um, right. Oh, and by the way, in um, which, what year was it? 1280 or so, I believe it was. Um, yeah, Genghis Khan and his buddies showed up and killed a lot of people too. So mm. we have demons showing up from the far from the west, and we have mysterious diseases ravaging the lands. And mm. yeah, oh, and yes, then of course there's the well. Eventually, we'll get the Inquisition, other things too. Like the Catholic Church is like, hey, keeping people scared actually works pretty well. They actually show up to church. Yeah. Um, so I suspect there's a whole lot of forces going on. 
Yeah, because when you talk about that too, the other thing mm-hmm. that I think might start tying into that is you're also starting to bump up against, you know, the age of reason that science is coming up. Mm-hmm. And when you get to, like, say, the Black Plague era, you've got, like, physicians and such who are studying things, but not making a good go of it. Yeah. Yep. And 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 I can see that's, like you say, that superstition was rampant then and, and religiosity in that. And I think it, it's it's the people trying to explain it mm-hmm. that you're you're getting you're getting the the beginnings of 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 science proper mm-hmm. and you're getting this idea that things happen for a reason but you don't have enough science to explain things so people are like well things happen for a reason of course it's monsters that's the reason mm-hmm. so you're kind of you're seeing that that shift over between between like the 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 more olden times mystic world and the the more it seems weird to say it's about like the 12 or 1300s but the more modern world mm, that's true yeah there's a there's a shift going on okay i can see that i can definitely see that um and then of course uh once we get to the 1700s uh we get the beast of oh was it beast of uh govadan i guess you'd pronounce oh, it is it Go- yeah. govadan yeah i guess i'm close to somewhere in that area Mm. Um, and in a lot of ways, actually, I think that the Beast of Govadan story is probably the foundation for a lot of the modern werewolf stories. Yeah, it could be. You might want to explain exactly what you're, uh, um, what you're yeah, I probably about. should. Okay. So, um, I'm just quickly calling up the entry here. So, um, uh, Govadan was a, basically it was a province in France. And in between uh, 1764 and 1767, a series of mysterious attacks occurred. The attacks, which covered an area spanning 90 by 80 kilometers, uh, roughly 56 by 50 miles, were said to have been committed by one or more beasts with formidable teeth, intense tails, according to contemporary eyewitnesses. Most descriptions for the period identified the beast as a wolf-dog or dog-wolf hybrid. And you might think, okay, not, no, so, no, not such a big deal, but here's a few more details. Uh, victims were often killed by having their throats torn out. The Kingdom of France used a considerable amount of money and manpower to hunt the animals responsible, including the resources of several nobles, soldiers, royal huntsmen, and civilians. The number of victims varies according to the source. A 1987 study estimated there had been 210 attacks, resulting in 113 deaths and 49 injuries. 98 of the victims killed were partly eaten. Other sources claim the animal or animals killed between 50 and 100 adults and children and injured more than 30. The beast was reported killed several times before the attacks finally stopped. Okay, and interestingly enough, there's a claim that the hunter who killed the beast, Jean Castel, um, who's credited with slaying it in the summer of 1767, killed it with bullets he had forged out of silver. Mm-hmm. And that's what finally put it down. Which is why it's largely assumed that that's where the legend that uh, you use silver bullets to kill a werewolf comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only that, yeah, okay, 210 attacks, 113 deaths, 49 <laughs> injuries, 98 of them partly eaten. That's pretty impressive. Even mm-hmm. if it was just a pack of wolves, that's pretty impressive. True. And they did have wolf you know, pack issues back then. Uh, people don't realize today, but wolves were actually a problem at one point. They were a serious problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, little did those guys know it wasn't a werewolf, it was a chupacabra. Exactly, exactly. But the idea that a quote-unquote wolf, a single beast, could do this kind of thing basically caused all kinds of hysteria that ran yeah. through culture. And um, it was a... You know, it was a bit of a problem. And so throughout Central Europe and Western Europe, people became terrified of wolves for a while, for quite a while after the Beast of Gavan attacks. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so it's assumed that it's... Uh, there are many theories about what it might have actually been. Some people claim it was like a noble dog. Some people think it was a pack of wolves. Other people think it was just like a you know mega wolf. Um, and yeah. some people think that it was actually a lion that had escaped some like noble zoo or something like that. And I'm sure some people okay. probably claimed it was swamp gas. <laughs> Those yeah, see, people died even, to swamp gas. We're certain of it. Yeah, even even that story too. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of things in common with, with what we consider a werewolf, but it's not a werewolf. There, there's no real, there's no real indication that this thing was human in any capacity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, we don't know. And it's legendary. I mean, they do think that maybe the one, the, the thing that uh, Jean Chachel there actually caught might have been it because they, they supposedly they found the remains of its last victim inside it. But mm. they don't actually know what that thing was. <laughs> just, yeah. that, just that he killed it and it was like kind of a wolf thing. Yeah, but I, I think you are right. I think that that, that is probably if not the first werewolf tale proper mm -hmm. that's the one that sets the prototype for what would become the werewolf proper yeah pretty much the idea that there's this super wolf or this superhuman wolf thing that's out there like slaughtering people and um eventually it would become uh this story would of course be retold in many ways over the years there's many versions of this story even robert lewis stevenson apparently in a book called Travels with Donkey in the Sevens, um, he describes about the legend. And mm -hmm. so, and there's also a few uh, books. There's a 1958 novel by Elie Bethet called Le Bête de Gavan, with Beast of Gavan, um, in which the killings are attributed to both a wolf and a man who believes himself to be a werewolf. Um, and there's other ones. In 1904, there was another book uh, that talked about this. Um, in a novel called Wolves, an old story retold, and it goes on, basically. Uh, it goes on. It's, it's yeah. been retold a number of years, and the character has popped up in many different situations. I think he's even popped up in a couple anime, actually, or something at some point, um, or yeah. ca characters that were supposed to be him, but in the end, it's always a werewolf. They pretty much always do that. Yeah, because I, I think, too, because retroactively, that's what it looks like. Mm, exactly. So, because another thing that happens around that same time as mm -hmm. as those attacks, yes, is the 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 books that would become the prototypes for, say, your pulps or the penny dreadfuls mm -hmm. start coming about. Okay, yeah, because that true. idea yeah. that idea of monsters and beast men and and things like that were really popular in like the early the early uh, uh the term I found for them was chap books chapbooks i've never heard that one before yeah it's 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 
I think for this case, because they're they're from it's it's from Britain. It's a British term. They were kind of the precursors to the to the the pulps. They started around like the sixteen hundreds. Now, when they call it chapbooks, does that mean like chapter books, where you're basically buying each book? Each book is really just one chapter of a larger story. There's no these these from from what I'd seen of them. They're they're usually like an actual book. Mm-hmm. The guy who started publishing them, I think his last name was Chapman, and that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. But then I think it became, it fell into into common parlance because a chap would be like an amicable fellow. Mm, true. And and these were like crazy fanciful tales that some, you know. Amicable some, fellow told you, yeah. Yeah, that's and some bored chap may want to read. And I think that's kind of, that came into the parlance as well. Mm-hmm. But again, it's 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 that idea because like we found out with the vampire, the vampire stories go back fairly far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the first the first one proper was like like uh, eighteen seventeen or something, but there were like different tastes of this and different like hints of this much much farther because the lurid and the frightening and the horrifying was always popular with like you know the cheap trashy novels. Exactly, exactly, um, but. Going back to what we said earlier, though, I don't think it really took off as its own thing until Hollywood basically brought it to life. Yeah, and I'm 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 thinking when it comes to to your idea of of like the were specifically, mm. I'm thinking what we think of as the werewolf is strictly a modern thing. Because, and and we've talked about this in different episodes, that there's the idea that legends and and popular monsters and that Mm -hmm. are manifestations of, like, fears people have at the time. Right. And I think in some ways, like, the the lycanthrope, as we know them now, represent, and even going back, there's taste of this, it's that idea of, of, of man versus nature. I agree with that. That they, they represent the inner struggle that people have to maintain the veneer of, of society and propriety ba- mm. versus our inner, like, like anger and drive and wish to, like, punch that guy who cut us off in traffic right in the freaking face. But it also represents the idea that mm-hmm. it's humanity and technology versus, like, the primitive and the natural. Mm-hmm. And that's why you get like the 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 Island of Doctor Moreau thing. You get like the the technological wear, right? Because it's it's about that idea. It's it's that idea of of, and this is something that I think the current modern world really plays up on. Mm-hmm. But that idea of nature versus technology kind of thing. I think you're getting that from Werewolf the Apocalypse, the White Wolf game. Well, that was that was kind of the big hit at it, but. It goes back even further because if you think um, mm-hmm. Metallica, true, okay, that's what of Wolf and Man is about. It's mm-hmm. it's the the song. If you listen to the lyrics, it's about that old natural thing versus like your staid modern life, right? A uh, good example, even further when you get to um, like the the Wolfen movies, mm-hmm. which are nothing like the book. Because the book isn't a werewolf book. The wolfen are like these mutant things that... Mutant animal, like, wolf-type beasties that live in our cities. Right. And are intelligent. But even that hints at this. With the wolfen, there's this this idea that it ties into tradition. That mm-hmm. 
and and I've seen other werewolf stories too that came out in the seventies and that that it it ties into like the 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 older like tribal kind of things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's 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 a manifestation of that that uh, you'll see a lot of like say uh, First Nations things, right? Like the Manitou and that that play on this idea of the link between humanity and nature being broken and nature getting its revenge by manifesting as some kind of boogly monster. Mm -hmm. I think again, that, that say late 20th century, you really start seeing the, the werewolf role-playing game was kind of the culmination of all of that. Right. Okay. I can totally see that. But again, I I think even then it, it it does go back like, like further. Cause if you look at again, like you said, Romulus and Remus, Mm Mm-hmm. They were raised by a wolf, that, and they went on to create like one of humanity's greatest civilizations. Right, that's true. Uh, if, you, if you go back even way farther, that kind of skirts it. Look at uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. That was the idea of Enkidu. Right. That Enkidu was this wild man. He he was he wasn't quite human. He wasn't quite animal. Right. Yeah. He was somewhere and, in between. Yeah. And he had this link with nature, and the animals were his allies and stuff. And then they civilized him. They basically got him laid, and all that went to hell on him. Right. So so even our oldest story, you've got that idea that humanity is something apart from nature. Mm-hmm. But there's some kind of back and forth, and there's even some questioning as to whether or not that's a good idea or not. Right. I agree with you. And I do think that there's it's no coincidence that the werewolf stories basically appear right around the time when we are entering what you could almost call the modern world. Like mm-hmm. we they it's interesting they didn't pop up during the Victorian era. The Victorian era you see like vampires and such, but the modern idea of the werewolf is a, seems to be a product of about the 1930s, I would say. Yeah. 1930s, 1940s, which is the point where we're really getting to that conflict where science is starting to develop really rapidly. Yeah. And society, especially North American society, is really developing as well. And so I do think there's that idea of what of the old versus the new, of, of our nature as beasts versus the modern scientific man and how we're struggling right. with that idea. I think, I think you're onto something there. I think you're correct. Um, it might also have had something to do with they were having a lot of problems with crime in society as well. And yeah. maybe it was a reflection of that idea that um, anyone could secretly be a criminal, although it's in this case we call it a werewolf, that you know, people are hiding <laughs> their bestial nature underneath their true selves. If you, huh. if you think about it in some ways, it even was one of those uh, versions of the story could kind of skirt the, uh, the Hays Code. Right, because it was a way to show crime, but not exactly real crime and horror, but not exactly real horror either. Um, you were just kind hmm. of showing something that was, you know, a man transformed into a wolf and etc. Although, again, that's one of the reasons why the wolf gets toned down really, really quickly is because the Hays Code would have come down pretty hard on that, I guess. Yeah. Um, for as long as it was, it was around anyway. And that might be why we don't really see a lot of werewolf films up until, I think we do see some in the 50s. Uh, let's see. Yeah, there's there's a fair number in the 50s. In, in the 50s, we get some. Um, 
Also, what, when does... Oh, is it the cat people come from? Speaking of wares. Yeah, that's, that's again, I think that's like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, like, just depending on which version of it is we're talking about, of course. Yeah, they're all they're all kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think you're right, too, because I think what you're also seeing when you get into, like, say, the 1920s, 1930s, mm-hmm. is that's when the uh, stratification of society mm-hmm. kind of starts seeing cracks. Right. Like, that's where you have, like, the masses, the workers, the, the, the rabble. They're starting to organize and insist on, like, actually getting paid for their work and stuff. And Right. And I think it plays into that idea because you did have a fairly stratified caste system at that time. Mm-hmm. That the rich were considered just better than you, of course. That's why they're rich. Right. And, like, those working masses were prone to drink and violence. And, and again, this comes out of, like, the, uh, like a lot of Victorian-era values being carried over. Right, yeah, yeah. But you're starting to see that change. And then it's like you say, it's, it's, it's that idea that anyone can be a criminal in that. It's that, that, that beast that lies inside. Mm. But it's also bumping into that idea of... Can you truly civilize the beast? Because a lot of like the underclass would be seen almost like as animals by the upper class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's that idea. Are they are they like amassing? Is 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 this like the humanity manifesting in them? Is this just the reaction of like a wounded, scared animal? Blah. And yeah, I think you're. I think you're kind of right. I think that the technology that you're looking at a big transition. Mm-hmm. And they represent that transition, at least the modern version of the werewolf does. And yeah. I think we continue to see that because later on, um, I, I made a joking reference at the beginning to, there's a movie called uh, Werewolves on Wheels that, oh, uh, okay. that pops up <laughs> later on. And I bring that up, even though it's that might sound like an odd one to bring up, but I actually do have a reason for it, Okay. Uh, Werewolves on Wheels came out in oh that was not, not till 1971, but yeah, it, but it's still there's that idea of the werewolves representing um in in that in that case it's about a bunch of uh, uh, bikers that get infected by a werewolf and basically they all become werewolf bikers etc. Mm-hmm. But there's still that idea of you know these outlaws these 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 criminals these outlaws etc. that are monsters basically you know there's the idea of the these you know the that uh, criminals are a form of monster basically that are existing outside society mm-hmm. and that are threatening society and preying on society and i think you could make a good case that in most cases that's what werewolves represent especially in those early days um we don't yeah. really get the other kinds of werewolves really until the 1980s i'd say is where the werewolves kind of change for, yeah. for lack of a better term, no pun intended. Um, because And the movie, I would say, does that. Now, I could be completely wrong here, okay? I could be completely wrong, but my the movie, I would say, does that would probably be uh, The Howling. Okay. Because I think that The Howling was actually a... which came out in... when did it come out? Uh, 1981, okay? Mm-hmm. The Howling is the beginning of... The werewolf as their own culture 
Like the idea yeah. that there's this werewolf culture out there that they are their own. You you get the idea of packs. You get the idea that these these creatures exist in because uh, the howling is basically about a woman who discovers a werewolf colony, and mm-hmm. dis- and ends up discovering you can be you can become a member of the colony and such. It's kind of playing with the whole satanic panic that was going on at the time too, but in but at at its heart, it's still about a woman who discovers that her. Again, there's an element of sexuality to it as well. She's discovering her, you know, sexuality, and it's represented by the wolf, etc. But it's game. It's got that idea of werewolves as a culture, as this other group that exists alongside humanity, kind of lurking there in the shadows, not a lone monster, but as their own society. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking you're onto something. There's got to so. be an earlier or earlier progenitor. Because that was kind of what was it eighty one or eighty two? Eighty one. Uh, Howling. The, well, the, well, I'm thinking of uh, the Cat People, the the remake. Oh yeah, there was also the Cat People, um, and that because that was the same idea. Yes, that's true. And that wasn't the that wasn't the the it wasn't quite what what the what like the Howling did. It wasn't quite that idea that mm-hmm. the 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 Cat People were their own distinct species and culture. And that exactly it still kind of played an IDD that was kind of a curse. Right. But it's, it's hinting at that. Cause you're right about the, uh, the, the, the werewolf representing the, the outsider and, and the filthy criminal. Act. Cause if you think even back to the Lon Chaney one, mm-hmm. the wolf that turns him into a werewolf, into a werewolf was the, uh, the son, okay, I'm going to say like 80 year old spoiler alert. Right. Was the son of the gypsy woman. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, gypsies were seen as these horrible, filthy criminal types that came in and stole all your stuff and then just fled to the hills. Yeah, exactly. So he's been infected by crime. Yeah, and, and those horrible foreigners and, and you know, the, the bestial primitive side that turns its back on everything that's, like, good and noble. Exactly. By the way, the original Cat People was 42 and the remake was 82. So it okay. came out a year after uh, The Howling did. Okay, so in, in both cases, the it comes out the year after the progenitor for a uh, major trend in werewolfism. Yeah, I again, who knows? Um, hmm. But prior to that, yeah, werewolves are just they're you know they're beasts. Like there's something yeah. that threatens society. They lurk on the edge. Um, there's another one, uh, another popular one that came out uh, was the Beast That Must Die in '74. Yeah. Except that one again, the werewolf isn't part of society. It's 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 he, a it's a standard werewolf. Yeah, well, exa- well, he's he's a murderer, is what he is. It's it's yeah. it, it's a murder mystery that happens to have a mm-hmm. werewolf as the as the uh, as the creature that they're all stuck as the murderer they're stuck with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got that idea. I'm sure there probably were some other movies before, maybe that hinted at the idea of wolves having their own society. But I think. I still think the howling is it. I still think the howling is the moment where the werewolf transforms from the loner werewolf to the social werewolf. Yeah. And then we kind of go from there where we end up with versions of both of those after that, where they'll make a ton yeah. of howling movies. They made like six of them, in fact, because um, none of which are really that good. The first one's all right. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, I think one of them, maybe the third one might've been okay. I'm trying to remember which one. Cause I actually was, I was a fan. So I watched them back in the day, but it's been a long time. And even I haven't seen Howling like, uh, five and six. 
Yeah, that's because three was the uh, Australian one, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, three was this. The, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, I remember that one. It was one of those ones. It was a B movie in in the bestest sense of a B movie. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, L- like it wasn't. It wasn't exact. It wasn't good, but it wasn't exactly bad. Mm-hmm. Like I remember it being kind of depressing. Right. Because it's it's not none of the howlings are cheerful. So oh, I remember no, this. They're not. I remember. Yeah, I remember enjoying the second one a great deal too. But I think that because of the lead actress in it and puberty kind of thing. Right. So, but yeah, I, I don't think I've seen like part fifty-seven or eighty-three or whatever. They're. I'm surprised they haven't started remaking those. Jeez. Right. Well, you would think, but. Um... Oh well. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. They. I, I actually am surprised they haven't started remaking those. That's like the most obvious thing in the world. Yeah, well, especially too, because I think you're right. I think that the 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 first one was that point where werewolves made that shift mm-hmm. into kind of well. That's the first the one I can modern... think of, anyway. I mean, and I did watch a fair amount of those when I was a kid. Yeah, um, and after that, of course, it becomes really, really common. It becomes a, it becomes this like I said, like vampires. There's a certain point where they sh- where you have the bestial vampire, and you have you know, the all oh, my tortured soul vampires. And this <laughs> right. is the beginning of the all oh, my tortured soul werewolves. Well, actually, I don't know. I think, I think the howling is the beginning of like werewolves as, a, as, as, as like a social entity. Mm-hmm. But the, the first of the, uh, you know, emo werewolves. Right. And it's not quite an emo would be uh, an American werewolf in London. Oh yes, you're right. He's definitely the first of the emo werewolves. All, yeah, even also, weirdly it's, enough, it's, also 81. It came out the same year. Yeah, there's got to be something that was percolating that 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 put that idea in people's heads. Mm. But I can't for the life of me think what it would have been. Right. Oh, that's an interesting one. I, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because an American werewolf in London, uh, for those who are not familiar. Hold on one sec. Uh um, let's see. Ah, here we go. An American werewolf in London uh, is about uh, two American men who go backpacking on a holiday in England. Following an awkward, tense visit to a village pub, the two men venture deep into the moors. They jump by a werewolf, and one of them dies, and the other gets taken to a London hospital, where he starts having weird sequences, and then eventually discovers he's a werewolf. Yeah, and it kind of goes from there. There's a whole like long story that goes behind it but that's all you really need to know it's actually a horror comedy by the way because for example yeah. his dead friend who there keeps showing up it's like <laughs> the zombie type thing but only ghosts that only he can see if i remember right well every everybody he kills does right oh yeah that's right okay because there's the scene in the movie theater where he's like surrounded by like eight of these mangled horrified like horrifically organs protruding people and they're all basically lecturing about what a dick he was for killing them. <laughs> right. Uh, it? Yep. John Landis is the one who directed yeah. that one. Yeah, and it shows. Yeah, it's it's the first emo one because it's not really emo. He's not really moping. He's more like horrified and pissed off that his buddy won't leave him. His buddy keeps telling him to kill himself. Right. Oh, yep. Yep. I remember that. Yes, he, 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 and he's just mostly pissed off at that. But it's emo in that it's kind of the first time you really dwelled on mm-hmm. 
the idea that the werewolf is 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 a victim that's forced to kill people mm-hmm. and the effects of that. Yeah, yeah. You're, like that was from the, you're looking at from the werewolf's point. I mean, even the original yeah. werewolf, even Larry Talbot was actually pretty upset about the fact that he had to kill people. Yeah, but you didn't really get into the the whole ramification of that. Mm-hmm, true. Part probably because like you couldn't really the budget and the rules wouldn't let you show like his like mangled friend falling around telling him to murder himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because the idea is there because that was the one um, in the the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. The idea was that he would see the pentagram in the hand of his next victim. Oh right, okay. And it was it was his fiance that he saw, and that was that was ultimately what led him to try to figure a way to like like deal with it or kill himself mm-hmm. was because he 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 knew he was destined to kill his fiance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have these char- people who have gotten into a light, a dark life and they're ultimately are in, and they realize that they have to stop themselves before they give in to the beast basically. Mhm. And so that totally works. And okay, so um before we move on going forward in time, uh, talking about maybe some 90s and we'll get to Werewolf the Apocalypse and such, were there any werewolf films that happened, like, say, like any Hammer ones or that that you wanted to highlight? It's another one that after you got, like, the, the Wolfman. Yeah. I think most of the ones that came out were basically just the Wolfman again. Yeah, they pretty much are. Yeah, Curse of the Cat People was a little different because it it was they played on that idea that you didn't know if she was or if she wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you got you got again you got the weird little things because it wasn't. I think when you look at how the idea of lycanthropy and that and pop culture works, mm-hmm. it bumps into the uh, the he- Jekyll and Hyde thing, right? And I think this is one of the reasons why, like, the crazed madman sort of disappears until the slasher flick. Mm-hmm. Because the werewolf comes to take that that part, that the werewolf becomes the, the split personality kind of thing. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. Because, yeah, it's it's not until, like, the late 60s going into the 70s that you get that, that Jekyll and Hyde, the, the person who's of two minds or... Their evil side comes to dominate every every now and then, mm-hmm. until that really kind of starts coming back. Right. I can totally see that because they pretty much are just all yeah they're all just the original werewolf and remakes and variations thereof until the Howling. Yeah, with with different levels of effect and different like because they did that was like what was it the uh, the Sun Demon. The I Sun think it's demon. It, no, I don't know that one. Oh, I don't know if that's the actual, the hideous hideous sun demon. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who gets basically whacked in the head with a meteorite, and the meteor infects him so that, like, when he's exposed to the sun, he turns into this like big reptilian monster. And it's it's the werewolf story mm-hmm. with all kinds of weird science fictiony twists. But even then, it's still it's still the werewolf story kind right. of thing. Okay. The, the is it the 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 she creature mm-hmm. where the guy can hypnotize his wife into one of her past lives as one of these primitive like reptilian hominid monster things and she transforms and and again it's 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 got that weird science fictiony twist but it's still the werewolf mm-hmm. like it's it's they're all the Lon Chaney you know werewolf for the longest time. 
you know, I just had the most weird thought that I might be able to explain where the idea of the werewolf is something else and why it appears at that time. I okay. think I'm wrong, okay, because this is 81, okay? But here's a really weird thought for you, okay? Star Wars. Okay. So my thought is this, is that the idea of the were looking at the werewolf from a different perspective is the result of Chewbacca. That, okay. that everyone saw Chewbacca and they're like, well, wait, he's like an intelligent thinking creature. And like, mm -hmm. oh, well, he's an alien, of course, etc., etc. But he's still, you know, effectively like a big wolf ape man thing. Like he looks kind of mm -hmm. like a werewolf type guy. And so everyone's like, huh, okay. And that idea just kind of bounces around in people's heads. And that's why in 81, suddenly we see these werewolf films popping up. But the werewolf is no longer a monster. The werewolf is now a guy. A guy with problems, but he's a guy or girl, as the case may huh. be. You might be onto something because even that might have, uh, yeah, because that that even if that didn't directly lead to that, it humanizes the 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 idea of the of the the man wolf wolf man kind of thing. Because mm -hmm. Chewbacca was like one of everybody's favorite characters in Star Wars, right? Yeah, everybody thought he was great, so that. Because there were, there there were a couple of of movies that had similar things that went the other way. Because I think there was a few post apocalypse movies, right? That had like the beast men thing, but they were clearly monsters and villainous. Mm -hmm. And am I not mistaken, or wasn't there an Island of Doctor Moreau film that came out in like the late seventies? I and I nobody think cared. There might have been. Well, there's Apocalypse Now. Um, but okay. yeah, yeah, but like a literal one that had like like an animal men and that in it, and it didn't go over. And I'm wondering if maybe that was in part because of what you're getting at that no animal guys were cool because you know Chewbacca. Maybe is the answer. Oh, let's take a quick look. Uh, in cinema, okay. Um, no, wait, that can't. That there's there's more than just that. Uh. Because this just lists a couple different versions of it, but yeah, but I thought I thought there was one in in. Hold on a sec. There must be in like the there late was 70s. one in seventy uh seventy seven. There it is. Okay, with uh, Burt Lancaster and Michael York. Oh wait, oh, wait, was that... that was was that a movie? Yes, it was. Yeah, by, directed by Don Taylor. Um, yeah, it was American P International Pictures AIP. July 13th, 1977. <laughs> Down to Dr. Okay. Moreau. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and it, it didn't it didn't go over well at all. And I'm wondering if it's if that's that's part of it. Or if whatever it was that made Chewbacca popular, that, that idea of, you know mm -hmm. was was creeping in. I could totally see that. Because um, Chewbacca was originally supposed to be absolutely horrifying looking. Yeah, I know. I've seen some of the pictures. Um, with well, the pointy he, elf ears and well, no, yeah. you everyone's seen him. If you watch Star Wars Rebels, there's the oh, character yeah. Zeb. That's the original design for Chewbacca. Yeah, we all know what Chewbacca. Well, anyone Star Wars fan knows what Chewbacca looks like. He's Zeb. That's that's Chewbacca, one um, But I don't. But they just discover. I think they just decided it was too difficult makeup wise and that to do, and so they ended up going with something a little more friendly. Yeah. Yeah, because Chewbacca's pretty close to the, he. He's basically the Lon Chaney Wolfman with more hair. Yeah, 
It's exactly what he is, and played by a really tall guy, which so sets off the effect of him not being human pretty well. Yeah, well, Lon Chaney was tall. Oh, that's true. He was. That's true. He, he was a big guy. That's true. Um, huh. A, a just complete side note here. Um, the I went to Dr. Moreau was uh, AIP did uh, three H.G. Wells films. The first was Food of the Gods in 76. Then oh, they did okay. this in uh, 77. And they also did in 77 Empire of the Ants. Yeah. Yeah, I remember all those. I do too. That's why I bring them up. Fond memories. <laughs> ah, food of the gods giant rabbits <laughs> anyway and rats big rats giant rats um cool stuff yeah because that's that's not the best giant rabbit monster movie night of the lapis would be the best giant mo- rabbit giant monster movie yeah although you know it's funny when you mention that mm-hmm. and you mention the how the the lead the 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 idea the concept of the werewolf changes in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Around that same time was all of those Animal Kingdom run amok movies. Yes, that was going on at that exact same time. You're right, and I wonder if that ties into it too. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's well. That's where yeah Empire of the Ants and um, yeah they and. Oh, Food of the Gods come in. Like, they're literally oh. coming within a year or so each, of each other. Remember, there was a whole, uh, the idea that nature was was kind of striking back. There was also, uh, Prophecy was a big one as well. With, like, with that yeah. bear thing. And oh, there was tons. There genocide, was, I think, came genocide, out around that time. Frogs. Yeah, Kingdom of the Spiders. Kingdom of the Spiders. Squirm. Squirm. Uh... There was one about, oh, what the hell? There was one that was about, like, leeches or s- snails. Snails. Oh, okay. There was what the, 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 the least horrifying uh, monster of all. What was... Oh, no, it, it'll be on me in, like, two hours. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, it's crawling across the floor at me. Help me. <laughs> um, now, was it possible that a lot of those were set off by Jaws? Because remember, Jaws came out in the, uh, was it 75? Somewhere in that area. And a lot of those start seem to pop up in the late seventies. It's it's kind of like, wow, animals are scary, so let's start making scary animal movies. Yeah, I think it does. I think Jaws is part of. It. I think that was like the uh, the first real big push for the environmentalist movement. Yes. Definitely. So again, I th- I think that idea that we're messing up the planet and the planet might not be happy about that was starting to creep into people's thoughts. Yep. Plus, of course, we've got a whole um, bunch of independent cinema happening at that point as well and people are making all kinds of stuff what was the one with the fire-breathing cockroaches from hell oh i can't remember you know what i'm talking about though right yeah because it also it's one of the ones they show one of them like digging into a guy's arm oh okay really i didn't remember that okay yeah yeah because there was there was there was a few though because it came out Phase four was the one with the ants. Yeah, phase four was the ants. Were, were the ants? Spoiler: the ants win. Um, yeah, yeah. Phase four. Um, well, I can't because Empire of the Ants. The ants actually lose at the end, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. But fine. yeah, there was there was the one with the, the, the fire breathing cockroaches. There was also the one I can't remember. It was uh, the bobcat was the main the main monster where like the ozone layer was depleted, so like all the animals went nuts and were eating people. Right. I can't remember what that one was called. Oh, there was another one where... Oh. Um, there, were a f- there were a few. There were a lot of them. There was... 
Yeah, there were a lot of the bug. That was the one with bug. the cockroaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Bug was 1975. So it actually came out the same year as... Uh, as Jaws. Jaws. And it was actually from a novel called The Hephaestus Plague from 73. Mm. So I think that idea had actually been percolating. I didn't don't think Jaws started it. Like, you're, like you said, it was kind of one of those things that, eventually, that kind of was rearing up in society at that time. It was part yeah. of a trend or a flow that was happening at that point. Yeah, because I and this is where, like I said at the beginning, I think the idea of what a what a what a, a wearer lichen is, mm-hmm. it bounces around a lot, right? It's it's again it it's that idea that it doesn't it takes a long time to solidify into a an, into a concept of mm-hmm. its own, right? Yeah, but it it piggybacks on a lot of other things. But I would say that at least since Howling came out. Howling, one other thing I noted about it is it's actually the first one that shows the the werewolf that has an actual wolf head that looks like a looks like a misshapen half man, half wolf truly, as opposed to just yeah. like the fuzzy face. And then almost all werewolves after that are that werewolf. Yeah, because prior to that, they're all like the Lon Chaney wolfman. Exactly. So the Howling literally set the new standard. And if people think of a werewolf today, that's what they're thinking of. Although, <laughs> sweet merciful fates, there's another another lichen movie kind of that does have that. Okay, that does have the animal headed hominid, and that was uh, Blood Freak, which I think was seventy six. Okay, uh, Blood Freak is a movie you have to see. That's with the were chicken. Um, what? <laughs> Pause for effect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I was doing. Uh, what? No, that wasn't just for effect. I really went. What? <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was it? Was it Blood Feast? It's. It's. Oh, okay. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. It's. It's this guy that gets a bad batch of drugs and turns into a were chicken. Okay. Yeah. Blood Freak, also known as Blood Freaks. The poster literally yeah. says a Dracula on drugs. That's what the actual cover of the it's the VHS cover it says a Dracula yeah. on drugs. Okay. Does it show? Does it show the wear chicken on the cover? No, it's a, it's a of course it's a half naked chick on the cover. Well, yeah, okay, sure. Because I but, mean, they're yeah. trying to sell the movie. They're, if they showed the wear chicken, nobody would actually. Um, uh, oh, okay, and so <laughs> the movie is based. By the way, it's a turkey, not a chicken, apparently. Oh, yeah, well, six and one, half dozen of the other. But... He wakes up to find he has a giant turkey's head in place of his own head. He is still addicted <laughs> to the drugs, but instead of smoking marijuana, he now craves the blood of other ad- uh, addicts. Okay, then. Yeah, yeah it's... it, And again, it, it it's... it's I, I can't believe we're giving a lot of credence to this weird, crazy movie. But even that, too, if you notice, goes back to the, the earliest of legends that the werewolf and the vampire are very tightly interlinked. Right. That he's aware that acts like a vampire. Right. Okay. Do you, want me, tell, do you, want, do you want me to tell you how it ends? Uh, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> it ends in the only possible way that movie could end. Okay. And again, we're, we're talking 40-year spoiler alert. It ends up being like a, a drug-induced hallucination. Right. Okay, makes sense. That buddy hit. 
Because it's it's a slasher flick. It's this. There's a scene where he like uses a rotor saw to take off a guy's arm and stuff. And there's like cheesy 1970s blood everywhere and that. So right, fun stuff with a with a vampiric were turkey. Uh, and and in case anybody listening is wondering, no, yeah, I am recommending this film. I'm, <laughs> I'm recommending it wholeheartedly. So <laughs> just well, it, just saying, it's an early slasher film though. It would be. Because um, I don't think even, like, what's considered the first slasher film I thought was um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, isn't it? Uh, it depends, because we kind of were, were humming and hawing about that before. I, I would I probably remember go too, with, yeah. A, yeah, I would probably go with, uh, what was it, Feast of Blood. Oh, right, that's probably what I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, which is really only a few years earlier. That's like, I, I want to say like 66, sometime around there. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So it is, it is a very early slasher flick. They, they kind of come in a huge wave right. in the late 60s, early 70s. Because they're part of the exploitation thing. Yeah. yeah. Which goes back to what I was mentioning earlier about there's this giant wave of independent cinema that's happening in the 70s and they're part of it. Yeah, where basically they're the theaters are willing to show almost anything, especially if it's stuff that'll get people's attention. So okay, sure. I was gonna say it's like uh, Tom Lehrer used to say: mm-hmm. "Stories lurid, licentious, and vile make me smile." <laughs> there we go. So uh, that w- he was a product of the seventies for a reason. <laughs> Tom, who Tom Lehrer? Yeah. Well, no, he was. Oh, from he started sixties, fifties. Oh, he started in the 50s. Oh, 50s. Okay, fine. Well, the 50s, 70s, same, same. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, you're 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 kind of right. Um, I well, I am. Except in the 50s, he was counterculture. In the 70s, he was mainstream. Yeah, kind of. You could go with that. Well, well, no, the 70s, he was still counterculture because I remember somebody telling me that back in the 70s, his albums were contraband here in Canada. Oh, okay. They were considered damaging to the public morals, so. Well, there we go. Yeah, even though you could see him on Sesame Street. Yeah, I don't... Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the way it works. You're damaging mm-hmm. to the public morals among adults, but you appear on kids' shows. Mm. <laughs> that's how it goes. Anyway, we've been dancing around it, so let's let's hit the mainstream then. Werewolf the Apocalypse comes out in the early 90s. Right. And what's the deal with Werewolf the Apocalypse, Don? That's the uh, second of the White Wolf World of Darkness games, mm-hmm. right after Vampire. Right. And Werewolf the Apocalypse takes the notion that the wares are actually a separate species from humanity. Mm-hmm. They're interconnected. We can interbreed in that, but they are a separate species. And they represent an older ideal. Like, they are their kind of corporeal nature spirits. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that in the modern era of the 1990s, mm-hmm. which is like 30 freaking years ago. It is? Almost. It's not quite 30 years, but we're getting there. Getting there, yeah. That because of like humanity's like polluting and all of that, mm-hmm. which you find out is, is partly inspired by a, a spirit of destruction that's gotten out of hand, mm-hmm. that the, the guru, as they're called in the game, are a diminishing species and they're trying to fight, they essentially fight off humanity, that humanity is basically the villain in, in the story. Oh, okay. And that was the idea why 
why the uh, the werewolves and vampires hate each other is because the werewolves used to cull humanity like back Middle Ages and before. Mm -hmm. And that is why we were afraid of nature. But the vampires, because they feed on humans, would secretly cultivate us. And that was one of the reasons our civilizations took over was because secretly the vampires were prodding us along. Oh, okay. And then the Inquisition happens and ruins it for everybody. And that's where the humans basically establish independence from the boogly monsters. And all the boogly monsters have to go into hiding. Right. Okay. Makes sense. So, quick question. Can werewolves uh, in Werewolf the Apocalypse, can, how do they reproduce? They have kids. Oh, they just have kids. Yeah, they can they can mate with, with humans or with with the appropriate animal type. Because there's... there's the guru are the werewolves, and they're the most common, but there's other species. Okay. Because what happens if they mate with each other, they get inbred. Oh, I see. Okay. They they create these 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 dudes called Métis, mm-hmm. which usually have some kind of physical defect. Right. Because of the inbreeding, because the, the werewolf genetics are so, are so pronounced. So werewolves pretty much always have to mate with humans to uh, produce children. Or other animals. Or other animals. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. they, can, they can switch to wolf form and, and mate with wolves, and they'll have wolves. And most of the kids will be born normal, but every so often, one of them will have this genetics that they'll be born a guru. Right. So they're not very efficient at reproducing. That's probably why they're dying out. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, and that's... That's again in in the the werewolf. The reason it's called werewolf the apocalypse is because they've already lost. Mm-hmm. That's like very that's happy. kind of the the theme. Well, no, it's that's why it's the world of darkness. But and 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 that's that's it. It's 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 not an upbeat game. The idea is that they are a dying species and they're they are going to lose the fight. Well, nature is doomed, basically. So yeah. Okay then. Um, so. In the game, what's usually the goal for the players then? Uh, you're basically fighting off the uh, the 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 nature spirits called the worm, mm-hmm. and it used to be that there was a spirit of creation, and like a spirit of destruction, mm-hmm. and a spirit of stasis, and they were in balance. But humanity kind of threw that off, and the one that was the spirit of destruction, it wasn't a hostile force. It was you have to destroy. For, for rebirth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the circle of life thing but it got out of hand because humanity was was so good at destroying things that they inadvertently powered this thing and now it's kind of acting as patron for a lot of the evilness that humanity does ah, i see so as a guru you're trying to fight off its influences and and as best you can how does its influences manifest in the game well, there's different ways because there's like outright mutants, right? So there'll be mutants with weird powers that are actually infected by by these evil spirits. They're called banes mm-hmm. that are mutating, given powers. There's uh, it works behind the scenes. So a lot of like our practices, like humanity's wastefulness, mm-hmm. is prodded along by the worm, right? Like they they have what are called urge worms, which are are kind of avatars of the main one mm-hmm. and they'll in in like infest people they'll they'll inspire you to do things like greed and gluttony and you know the, uh. the classics 
and that's and that's what they do is that humans aren't exactly of the worm but we facilitate it so it it prods along our our worst natures right so there really is no true there's sorry there really is no true enemy for the wolves in the game or the players to fight really i mean they can fight these creatures and these mutants and such that are symbols of the worm which are either hunting them or doing other you know weird stuff i suppose but there isn't really a way for them to stop this whole process they really are screwed yeah, there's catches to that because it it it's kind of the idea that like you can always beat Cobra, but you don't catch Cobra Commander kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's that old saw. The original World of Darkness games do have an end, right? Yeah, they did. So the I I'm not familiar with how Werewolf ended, mm-hmm. but what they did for the the ones like for Vampire and Mage, the ones I'm familiar with, is. Because all of the boogly monsters in the world of darkness believe that the end is coming. Mm-hmm. They have different names and concepts of it. And when they did the books for the ending, they didn't give you one ending. They give the game master, here's a bunch of ways you could play it out. Mm-hmm. Take your pick. Right. Or combine them how you want or do something totally different. Right. So the werewolf one probably does have a potential where they win. Okay. And a lot where they don't, because again, World of Darkness and all that. Yeah. But that just so means that they're superheroes who whine about their lives and have you know, downsides to their superpowers. That's all it means. Well, yeah, and that's kind of, when you get to late 80s, early 90s, that's what most boogly monsters become. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so that was... An interesting and more sympathetic take on werewolves, which I would argue still comes from the howling and that that line of thinking. Yeah, I I I I, I really do think you're onto something with that because there 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 the the vampire goes full on emo, mm-hmm. whereas the the lichens never quite go full emo. But you like you like you were saying, yeah, they do become a distinct thing with distinct goals and like like you were saying very sympathetic right and i think going into the 90s you do see a lot of it i think that's partly where the uh the wad version comes from right i mean that not, it's not just that i mean we had seen uh in in uh role-playing games earlier if i remember right doesn't the original palladium role-playing game actually include like a race of wolfmen in it yeah they do and and Again, that goes back to the original. The 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 oh, what were they called? The Wolfen in that? They might have been. They were, I don't remember. Yeah. It's, but you're right that they did. They're they're basically like Romans, right? Yeah, and they're they're not entirely presented sympathetically though, right? Because they are expansionistic and hostile to humans, right? And that would have been mid '80s, basically. Again, post Wolf, early of course, 80s, or post Howling. Sorry. Actually, no, that would have been around the same time because the original Palladium come. The original Palladium, I think, is published mm-hmm. in like '82. Howling is '81. But Simbita had been running a campaign of it for a couple of years prior. Oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. Because that's the first one that Palladium puts out is the Mechanoids, and I want to say that's like 81. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the Palladium Fantasy First Edition, 
there's a picture in the beginning of it mm-hmm. with a little poem. Of, I forget what they're called. And if you look, there's all these weird characters. There's fantasy characters. There's like a robot guy. There's like a mad scientist guy. There's like dudes in high-tech armor mixed in with the medieval ones. That's his original campaign. Right, yeah. That it had been running for a while. And, and the the wolf guys were part of that. Mm-hmm like years before it got published. So again, it's, it's, it's contemporary and it implies that there was something bubbling up under the surface. Right. That, that put everybody on that line of, of sympathy towards, uh, mm-hmm. towards the, uh, the boogly monster. Right. Yeah. It was there. I suspect this is just a give it, this is just a guess. But I wouldn't be surprised if we look back, we'll probably find some fantasy novels from the 60s or 70s that probably have that type of character in them. I bet Sambita yeah. didn't come up with it himself. I bet he's plucked it from some books he read. Yeah, well, Lord of the Rings has that in it. There's a werewolf in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, there is, isn't there? It it goes by real quick, and you might not know. Is it uh, Boromir? Is, it, is the where? No, was, it's Boromir's... It? Uh, it's his, wait... Oh my god! Um... Yeah, I, have, I haven't read it for like a million years, and I didn't see the movies. But there is the guy, because that's that's what ends up happening is is in the beginning of the <clears throat> near the beginning of the uh, the first book, I think it is. It's not Boromir. It's oh crap! What's his name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, Wish he, he's not. A, yeah, he's not a huge part of it. But he's 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 important because he he's he 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 tries to take the ring to bring it back to his people, and then when he realizes what he did, doesn't he like die in combat? Something like that happens. Uh, there's creatures where creatures called servants of Morgoth. Uh, werewolves are servants of Morgoth. Uh, they were imprisoned in the bodies. Oh, is it? Is I think it's Drogolin. Is that his name? No, no, it's uh, not Drugglin. It's oh crap! What's he? Because uh, Drugglin doesn't come up till like the Silmarillion, I thought. Yeah, he's in the Silmarillion. Oh, what's his name? He's one of the Fellowship. He's the guy that in the uh, in the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings. He's the the Viking looking guy. He's actually a werewolf. Yeah, I thought that's. Well, I don't know if he's a wolf or a bear, but he's he's. I thought it was his people. His people tra- do well. It's really vague, but it's implied that they transform. Okay. I thought that was part of it. it ah. Someone's going to have to write in and leave show notes, I think, on this <laughs> one, because I don't really know. Um, I remember that there, there is a character that they encounter in one of the books that's basically a, uh, a werewolf-type guy or a beast man or something does pop up, but I, you're right, very quickly. I vaguely remember that. I don't remember what he's called, though. Yeah, I don't know if he's if it's Boromir or not, but I thought it was. Like I say, it's been a long time since I read the book, and it it's not a long scene. It just kind of comes up, and it it's almost a throwaway scene, right? In in the book, because apparently he does make reference to werewolves and wargs being part of Sauron's army. Yeah, that is actually there. Uh, it's 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 indicated, but so they're there somewhere. But I don't remember what the I know there's I believe you're right there is a character they encounter that's a werewolf but I don't remember what his name is. 
Yeah, because I thought that was it, that he tried taking the ring, and then he was so ashamed that when the bad guys come after the heroes, he dies in combat holding them off. Well, that is Boromir, I think it is. Okay. But, but he doesn't, but he's not a werewolf, at least not the versions that I remember. Okay, maybe I'm, I'm mixing him up with the other guy. I think you're mixing him up with the other guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he tries to. Yeah, because Boromir tries to take the ring, and he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that," and he dies. He's in the movie. He's played by yeah. Sean Bain, who always dies. <laughs> that's true, isn't it? <laughs> that's remember. That's the running joke. It's that if 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 Sean Bain is playing a character, that character will not see to the end of the movie. Right. Yep. Yep. Sean Bain. Yep. Yep. That's him, and he dies. Uh, spoilers. He he dies like defending the <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring after almost taking it. Yeah. But no, there's another guy whose name, oh my God, he, I think he's actually a werebear, if I remember right, not a werewolf. Yeah. And he's got some weird name. Ah, crap. What is his name? Because, oh my God, I should know this. Oh, it'll come to me later. Of course it will. I'm going to have to reread the books or take three days off and watch the movies. Okay, fine. Hold on a sec. Werebear, Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Werebear, Lord of the Rings. Let's find out. Let's. So now I'm little. No, I'm little. Bjorn. Yeah, there it is. Bjorn is his name. Yeah. Okay. okay. And he's no, he's referred to as a skin changer or something like that. Northman, a skin changer, a chief who lived near the uh, Enduin between Mirkwood and the Misty Mountains. Okay. And he pops up in, uh, let's see, the Battle of Five Armies. So he'll be in The Hobbit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He encounters, uh, he gives shelter to Thorin and company, which include Gandalf and the Hobbit Bilbo Baggins. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's from The Hobbit. And yeah, he does appear in the movie versions as well. Okay. As a, as a kind of werebear type thing, but yeah, so the, yeah, werebears, you know, werebears running around, we hmm. wee bears, there we, they're there, or not so wee bears. Anyway, um, so uh, let's see what else. So werewolves, what else can we talk? Uh, what else can we say about them? Um, well, werewolves are hot and hunky and uh, make great <laughs> partners in the paranormal romance stories. At least that's the modern version of the werewolf. Just like the vampire, they've basically been co-opted by by women's fantasies into right. uh, the ultimate lover, basically. You know, the man who has his bestial side <laughs> that comes out in the in the bedroom, right? Um, but who the who a good woman's love can tame? Oh my! Yeah. Um, so, I mean, well, you commented with the vampire show that vampires and werewolves kind of shift, change places at some point. Yeah, because that's, that's the idea that the vampire used to represent the other, mm -hmm. and the were represented the beast within all of us. But then it rearranged, like you said, like the werewolf is now the other, they're, mm -hmm. they're like the mysterious hunky stranger. Yep. Or, or the last remnant of like some ancient culture or, or something. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's the vampire that has to constantly fight to keep down their bestial nature and and stuff and blah blah blah, mm. not eat their girlfriend and and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. It's it's. I think it's it's like you were saying. It happened sometime in the eighties that you get that that shift. Yep. Now vampires are, yeah, I should say now werewolves are almost always uh, the 
werewolf, the apocalypse werewolves. They're basically, they represent almost the native people. In fact, sometimes they literally are. Uh, yeah. I, I think in Twilight, I think it is, they literally are First Nations people. They're literally Aboriginal people. And uh, yeah. they're just tribes, apparently just some of the tribes have the ability to turn into uh, werewolves. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's now that they're they're considered like, in the olden days, they were considered uh, a manifestation of nature in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Now they're considered a manifestation of nature in a good way, that they're the thing that, that we've lost. Yeah. So it's As interesting. To... Yeah. Huh. Um, and yeah, I agree. They're, they're now the guardians of nature. Again, coming from the game, because we've got so many people that played the game and absorbed those ideas, and now they're writing stories about them and such. Yeah. So, which I'm kind of okay with, because I've always liked werewolves. I always thought they were pretty cool. Although, mm-hmm. you know, it is interesting, though. Werewolves are one of those creatures that you will still actually, if you look around the, those parts of the internet, you will still actually get people reporting seeing werewolves. Like, oh, yeah. You will actually get that. Whereas vampires, not really. No, people don't generally report seeing vampires. I mean, I'm sure it happens occasionally, but it's very, very rare where you'll get... But werewolves actually do. Like, there's, every couple of years, there's... Or so, there's usually a couple werewolf sightings. Yeah, kind of. Because there'll be, there. there's, like, here, like, in Michigan, they have, like, the dogmen. Yeah, yeah. That people will see the these, or it's a goat man. Yeah, there's a version of that, the goat man, yep, that's true. And the grunches, and that, that it's, it's, it, yeah, you, you, I think what happens is, I don't know about the 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 where sightings or the the mm-hmm. the hominid animal sightings where that comes from, right? But I I think the reason you don't hear a lot of like you know vampire sightings or vampire cases, you get the odd one mm-hmm. every few years from from some like town in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes in some country you've never heard of, like Maine. Yeah, like Maine. Oh my God, I don't recommend going there. It place sounds like horrifying. But... <laughs> exactly, I know. Don't go stay at a but... Castle Rock, folks. Not a good place to visit. And Salem's yeah, Lot, but... definitely not at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing with that with that is now, if like you think of a vampire sighting, people figure so it was like you know an emo kid. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm a vampire. I drink blood. Yeah, shut up. You know, so. Again, I think that's why why they're sort of hardcore relegated to fantasy because the real life quote unquote version of them no. Right. <laughs> like they're 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 not that fourteen year old with like the giant moose hair is not scary. Oh boy. You know what I saw something that was scary the other day? Um not uh-huh. not in person though. I was like I um apparently there's this woman in Iran who's like a they refer to her sometimes as the Iranian Angelina Jolie God knows why because uh-huh. she looks like uh the character from Tim Burton's The Corpse Bride she's apparently okay. like she's a, uh it's it's plastic surgery she's kind of like addicted to plastic surgery and she made herself like a YouTube star and if you see pictures right. of her you're like oh my God what is that thing and uh-huh. uh, but it's the result of just epic amounts of plastic surgery that you're out you are looking at a human being sort of just one that's had way too much plastic surgery right wow and so yeah um it's it's kind of freaky to to look at her and that so yeah i can after seeing pictures of people like her online you're like the vampires 
who would notice? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And these days, who would really notice? I mean, I've got so many people wandering around my city here with green and blue and purple hair, or and sometimes like a pale with spiked collars, and that it's not even on Halloween. People wear that like as their normal, usually teenage or twenty-something dress sometimes, and sometimes even o- older. Um, yeah. So it's like, who would notice? Whereas if it was a you know eight foot tall wolfman, oh yeah, you'd notice. <laughs> so that so that is a valid point. That is absolutely a valid point. Um, yeah. But and but I was thinking of like uh, there's the Beast of Bray Road. Uh, it's oh, a famous yeah. one. And there's you can read about a couple of them, but you'd be amazed if you actually go poking around how many supposed werewolf sightings there are. Um, yeah. Again, the majority of them, they just see this tall, shaggy thing that is, you know, has maybe, you know, weird eye shine is like eight foot tall or seven foot tall. And they're like, oh, my God, it's a werewolf. If yeah. it is anything at all, this is going to sound equally bad, but whatever. It's probably a Sasquatch. It's actually probably not a werewolf. <laughs> bum, bum. If, the, you know, if given the choice between werewolves and Sasquatch, an unknown hominid and a mythical magical creature that is, can turn into a man and a wolf, I'm probably going with the Sasquatch on that one. But that's my own predilection. I think we've probably come up with... We'd probably discuss that in another show. So when I yeah. hear most of those things, I'm like, yeah, you're probably a Sasquatch. But there have been a few, actually, where you read that, and they actually describe very vividly that it's like, it's, you know, got the the howling style, like uh, back digital legs. I don't know how you describe that, where there's the legs are digigrade. backwards. Digigrade. Digigrade. There we go. The back digigrade yeah. legs. Like like a dog does, where they go backwards, and it's got an actual wolf head and everything like that. There's a couple. I think the Beast of Bray Road describes that. The Michigan yeah. Dog Men, if you're talking about that, they look like that too. People actually claim that these things really do look like like the wolves right out of the howling, which always makes me suspicious. Because so let me get this straight. So they never looked like this until a movie where that looks where they look like that came out, and then ever since then they look like that. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's like everything, though. Yeah, I know. So that's where you get into the question of, well, to what degree is human perception shaping things? Yeah. Yeah, because that's part of the thing, too, I think, with uh, mm-hmm. with like a lot of wares, why you don't get the the wear sighting properly. Because even then, like, say, like the dog man, mm-hmm. we don't see them transform. There's there's very, very, very few cases. Right, yeah, exactly. Where it's trying, or there's any Im- implied transformation, and part of that might be because uh, a lot of people think some of the old werewolf legends might have been the result of of different diseases. Oh right, yeah, exactly. Uh, porphyry, I think, is the one where you get all yeah, hairy por- and everything. Well, that's a hypertrichosis. Okay, is the hairy because you're thinking uh, porphyry is the. Uh, it's like the low iron. They think that was oh, might have been that's part the of the vampire one. thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I got them mixed up. Yeah. Although if I remember with Papyrus, I think you can actually get oddly hairy and stuff with that one too. Yeah, because I think uh, hypertrichosis might be a derivation of it, mm. or 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 a strainer or something that you get that comes in after you get the. Uh, the profile Bio- biology is not my thing so i'm not 100 exactly because sure. i remember i still remember watching uh you know clips on that of the poor kids that have the hyper trichosis that you're talking about there where they literally look like the lon cheney wolfman they literally yeah. do because they're people with just hair growing out of every spare inch of skin yeah 
And that's, and that's, you get families like that and they think that was part of it. And then the other thing they keep saying is that, yeah, rabies might be part of it. Cause in the later stages of rabies, you get like all hostile and irritable and that, and they mm-hmm. think you slowly lose your mind. And they think that that might've been, or, or syphilis who does that. Syphilis. Yeah. And that's what they think. Some of these legends where they might've come from. It's that idea that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we don't uh, attribute things to lycanthropy anymore because it's it's disease. Yeah, exactly. And then then the irony being that it works backwards that lycanthropy then becomes believed that it can be spread like a disease in in our fiction. Well, but that's where things get really weird, right? Where mm-hmm. even in the old days, uh, from Larry Talbot and such, the werewolf, the werewolf originally was a disease. You could spread it like a disease. Like you, if you were bitten by a werewolf, you became a werewolf. That's part of the whole shtick, right? But the well, weird thing is, after let me finish. Mm-hmm. After um, uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, definitely, because in the Howling, it's that's the case too. You can become a werewolf by being bitten by one. But after Werewolf the Apocalypse, the whole idea of werewolves as disease actually starts to kind of disappear. It becomes yeah. less common, in fact. But that kind of starts going... Well, the, the werewolf ones are, are, are a species, and that becomes a dominant one. Because mm. if you go back before, like, the, the, the werewolf of London is kind of the first time you really see it as an infection. And that's not true at all. Uh, werewolves on wheels the movie I mentioned earlier the one guy's girlfriend he picks up a girl she turns out she's a werewolf she bites him and then he bites all the rest of his gang that's why they're a werewolf on wheels they're all yeah, infected yeah. yeah but that's why that was the 70s werewolf of London is like 1935 oh sorry you're right I'm going back you're thinking I was, American werewolf I was thinking of American London. werewolf in, in London sorry yes yeah I yeah, always that, get that, that confused actually sorry oh people do because that first one like I said is pretty much a, a forgotten film right okay yeah but but the actual old legends mm-hmm. was lycanthropy was either a curse mm-hmm. or it was something you did like that that was it would be a spell it would be like the the berserkers it would be something you'd you'd like work yourself into um there was the old the older legends of like the loop guru and the loop the mall right that it was magic that i needed a magic and i think there's uh the, the uh, a lot of African wears of the same idea that mm. I would have a skin of the animal, yeah, and when I put the skin on, that would transform me. It, it wasn't something you could catch; you were, you were bequeathed it in some way, right? That yeah, it's it's really not until the modern era that the idea of of uh, lycanthropy as a disease really is a thing. Yep, exactly. And, and like I say, that's that's so core. To the, the the concept it's weird to think that it's also so new like that's left less than a hundred years mm-hmm. but again that goes back to my earlier theory about the idea that it's a disease because it represents uh the criminal spirit or it represents uh the dark side of human nature falling prey to your own inner beast etc yeah i i I think you're right, and I think in, in, in some of that ways, too, it's it's appropriating the Dr. Jekyll thing. Exactly, which I think it is. I think you're right. I think that it's just an extension of that in some ways. So in a weird mm-hmm. way, werewolves are basically just the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, that's a way of looking at it. Um, they're just a bunch of Hulks, and that's kind of the way it works. And there's some neat werewolf movies. 
there's been a few neat mm-hmm. ones over the years. One people really went crazy for a few years ago, which I somehow still have not managed to see, was there one called Dog Soldiers. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, people seem to really like that one. Um, I was looking at Ranker uh, to see uh, which lists, you know, some of the most popular movies in different categories. And someone started a list of all werewolf films or popular. And the number one ranked film on Ranker is actually Dog Soldiers. Followed by An American Werewolf in London. Followed by one called Wolf with Jack Nicholson, which oh, I yeah, managed that's... to miss. But and I think I remember because it's actually kind of a romantic horror film. That's probably yeah. why. Uh, then there's one called Silver Bullet, which is based on a Stephen King novella called Cycle of the Werewolf. Yeah, it's the that's the. Well, I, I was gonna tell you who the werewolf was, but yeah, that's that's like another '80s one. Yeah, that's another '80s one. Um, and again, but that was you know he he did vampires, he did werewolves. That's what he does. Then then comes mm-hmm. the Howling, of course. Um, yeah, which uh, there was apparently a not was based off a novel. Uh, let's see, Cursed from 2005, a horror comedy film. Don't know that one. Uh, the Wolfman from 1941. There we go. Van Helsing, right. your favorite film there from uh, 2004. <laughs> um, the Wolfman remake in 1979, uh, which okay. I don't think I've ever seen. An American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah, okay. Which the came sequel. out in 1997. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is maybe supposed to be in a follow-up to American Werewolf in London, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, it's a sequel. Yes, yeah, well, Then there's Ginger Snaps, which I do, oh, okay. which I have seen. That was the Canadian horror film where about two teenage sisters who basically become werewolves and like stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so that we that was quite popular. Oh, in the uh, the Company of Wolves, which I keep made, okay. keep playing to see at some point. That was a weird one with Angela Lansbury. It's a weird British Gothic horror fantasy one. Uh, yeah, you know what it is? What? Have you ever seen the movie Legend? Yeah. It's the werewolf version of that. It's got that same weird kind of dreamy feel to it. Oh, okay. Okay. It's not a bad one. It's it's weird. It's 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 worth seeing. Okay. I could totally see that. Um and uh then there's yeah, there's a bunch of other ones, but uh, we like Underworld, etc. And mm. The Beast Must Die, Cry of the Werewolf. Uh, it was a 1944 film. Oh, actually, I've never seen this one. Cry the Werewolf. Okay. So Nina Falk and Asa Masson, uh, also known as Daughter of the Werewolf. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, oh, okay. So, and then a whole bunch of Halloween films. Oh, Teen Wolf. I actually always liked that one. Hmm. Well, because Teen Wolf is another one, as I recall. It's it's close to the World of Darkness version. Actually, you're right. It is because in that werewolf, being a werewolf, it's from 1985, and basically, yeah, you're. It's a inherited thing, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. he's just basically, but it's meant to be a parody, of course, of puberty and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you're right. That's true. It is actually a little closer to the wad version, but again, post uh, Howling. Yeah. I mean, I think that I don't think the Howling just was a huge revolution, but I think it was the one where it kind of tipped over. Yeah, it was where everything kind of comes together, and you get that that new template. Exactly. I'm sure there probably were a few others that were similar to that. Um, have you ever heard of one called Legend of the Werewolf? Seventy five British uh, horror film with Peter Cushing. Yes, and you've you've heard of it too. If you saw the 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 werewolf from it, you go, "Oh, that's what he's from." Oh, okay. Because he's got the the fur is almost kind of like little horns kind of thing. Oh, okay. 
I probably would then. Yeah. Um, it was. Yeah, the Legend of the Werewolf. Okay, okay, I'll I'll look into that. Anyway, so but yeah, so there's been lots of good werewolf films. Do you have a favorite among all of them? For films, yeah. I don't know. Like American Werewolf in London is pretty good. Yeah, that's true. the The Beast Must Die is pretty good. It it, it it's interesting because again, it's it's one of those things. It's a werewolf murder mystery. How come more people haven't done things like this? You... Hmm. I, I like the, huh? Yep, I agree. Yeah, it's it's the original Wolfman mm-hmm. with Lon Chaney is really good. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to again highly recommend Blood Freak. <laughs> yeah, well, you're the only one who is. <laughs> okay, I. Well, where else are you going to see a wear turkey? That that is true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. And in case anybody misjudges, it is not a good movie. I'm not recommending it because it's a good movie. Just weirdly entertaining. Yeah, you're never going to see anything else like it. Okay. Um, yeah, as far as that goes, I have to... Off the top of my head, yeah, the original Wolfman, definitely. The Howling, I was a huge Howling fan back in the day. I've already mm. said that. So That uh, has, has a wear Pekingese in it. It does. You're right. It literally does. Um, And so, yeah, the howling, but I guess it's one of those things where the howling to me was hugely influential in my werewolf fandom back in the day. But now I can look back at it and go, yeah, it's not really that great a film, but it's because it had done something so different. It was kind of mind blowing in its own way. But now we've seen so many derivations of it that it's not really that special anymore. Yeah, there's there's got to be a name for that. That even though it's the original, if if somebody under the age of like forty watched it now, mm-hmm. it would just seem like like everything else to them. Exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't really seem all that special anymore. Mm-hmm. So hmm. yeah, uh, beyond that, off off the top of my head, not really. Um, like I said, I kind of fell out of werewolf fandom a while back, and I haven't gotten back into it again. So I don't. Although, I haven't watched most of the modern ones. I haven't even seen Dog Soldiers. Dog, dog Soldiers is pretty. There, there's a scene where, because what what the premise is, it's basically commandos versus werewolves. Right. So it's almost Predator. Yeah. Kind of. It's it's still a horror movie. It's it's still right. a straight up horror movie. But there's some interesting twists because the 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 crunchy parts, the humans, put up a good fight. Right. Like they have plans and stuff, and you're like, "Oh, that that's not a bad idea." That we never see that in these, because there's one movie with a with with a werewolf that mm-hmm. is really good that hasn't been mentioned anywhere, oddly enough. Which one? Monster Squad. I should have known. All right, <laughs> but he's just okay. Well, yeah, he's part of the Monster Squad. That's true. Hmm. So what makes that special? Oh, I mean, Monster Squad is a good film. I will agree. Okay, but is there? Any, yeah, it's, but he is he really that special in the film? No, but I mean that's a good movie. Okay, okay, good point. Good point. Highly recommended. We're not <laughs> recommending everything with a werewolf in it. That would be a huge long list. It would. Although, again, like I say, if if you want to kind of skirt the edges, Curse of the Cat People was a pretty good movie. The original. I remember the original being mostly frustrating because I kept waiting for her to turn into a, like, cat thing, which she... Yeah. 
is it the original where she doesn't? Like, one of them is more implied than actually shown. Yeah, the original, uh, the original uh, Curse of the Cat people, you're never sure if she's aware or not. Yeah, and I always found that frustrating as a kid, because I was there to see a woman turn into, a, like, a cat monster. Yeah, and you're not going to get that for a while. Because Curse of the Cat people, is it's, it's almost a ghost story. It's not... Uh, technically a werewolf story that's why i say it kind of skirts the edge because because there is a weird permutation of the lycanthrope in modern society okay let's finish with this so what is it <laughs> oh this will finish it all right <laughs> and that's the the other kin the other kid what do you mean that's like the people that are like, I'm actually the soul of a wolf trapped in the body of a human. Oh, that. Yeah, okay. Them. Yeah. They're they're kind of like furries that go a little too far. Right. That's true. They're people that wish they were werewolves. Because well, they, they could be and furry it, and have furry sex as a wolf well, it's, it's, thing. It's not just that. But, well, no, you can you can do that if you if you really want. Like that Right. There, there, there's costuming and, and and stuff, but it's that idea that we have a small mm-hmm. but notable group of people that, yeah, that either feel or actually believe that you know they're they're the spirit of some other kind of entity trapped in the body of a human, right? And it's it's again, it's not something given a lot of credibility in society, and it's it's not something that's hugely widespread, but. Mm-hmm. When you start skirting the edges of fandom for different things, you start running into that. That's true. Okay. Okay, so I guess donning the skin of a animal really can turn you into a um, a creature. Yeah, kind of, and I think... It just has I'm to be shaped if... and have, like, eye holes and things like that, but okay, <laughs> sure. Well, not not even that, because if the the people who claim to be like other kin, they're not necessarily dressing up. This is just kind of their proclivity, right? Yeah, that that they feel. And I'm wondering if that's kind of a a manifestation of the opposite side of the story thing. Okay, that where the the werewolf has come to uh, symbolize the outsider and in a lot of cases like nature and, and humanity separation, even classic times, that bestial side that we keep inside. Mm-hmm. If for a lot of people that disconnect is so troubling that they start building up this, this notion, like I say, whether they genuinely believe it or if it's an affectation mm-hmm. or if it, if it goes to the, the, the level of psychosis, right. But b- building up this idea that, that, it's the literal case that literally there is something inside of them mm-hmm. that's that's been cut off from them that that their their new human nature cuts them off from their true self kind of like the emo kids who like to i'm really a vampire kind of thing do it kind of okay i see your point okay i can see your point yeah huh I hadn't really thought of it that way, but but you're right. It does go back to that idea of there's our true nature self, and then there's the modern human, the modern human veneer that we put mm-hmm. over top of it. Yeah, and and then what you're what you're seeing with a bunch of because di- it, it it goes it goes back to to Fred Bear. Oh my god, it 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 ties in so weird. Okay. 
and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the on the, on the show, but it's the idea that I hate the song Fred Bear by Ted Nugent. Okay, why? I hate it mostly for the voiceover at the end. Uh-huh. If our teenage thrill seekers want a real thrill, let them go up north and tangle with a polar bear or a grizzly bear. It'll be a cleanse for the soul. Well, because that's a lie. Because you're not tangling with it. You're putting a bullet in its head from half a kilometer away. Right. But if you're, again, the, the Fred Bear Woodsy type, Mm-hmm. It's the lie that you tell yourself, essentially. No, you're the product of an industrialized, dehumanizing society like the rest of us. You're not grizzly freaking atoms. Mm-hmm. But it's that lie you tell yourself. It's that thing that you feel has been taken from you. It's that thing you feel more of a connection. It's that thing that makes you feel more you that you have more control over. Mm-hmm. And this is where, like I say, pondering it like that. You can kind of empathize because it's that same thing that makes people dress up like a Klingon and go to a convention. Right. And it's it's that idea that we've talked about how we're uber pandered to these days. Mm-hmm. That I think is where you'll you, you start to to see those those kind of things. That you'll see the weird little subgroups that like really think they're vampires or really think they're a wolf trapped in a human body because. It's it's that idea. It's that need is so sharp that the obvious fantasy of like a book or the, I guess, socially acceptable fantasy of going out to the woods and hunting once in a while or dressing like, like Rogach, the Klingon commander. Uh-huh. It's not fulfilling enough that it goes that extra step that it starts it starts creeping into into quote unquote reality. Mm-hmm. And then you get poser gangs. Ooh, oh, werewolf poser gangs and cyberpunk. <laughs> okay, I think that's probably a pretty good point to leave this. So thanks everyone for listening to our little discussion of werewolves. It was a little all over the place. We jumped around a bit, but I think there's some interesting ideas here and probably some stuff worth considering. So please say your prayers. And uh, when the moon is full in the sky, take care. Because even a man who is pure of heart can become a podcaster. A furry? Or a furry. Or furry. Yeah, you can become a furry too. <laughs> That's more socially acceptable though. Than podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, true. Exactly. Good night, folks. <laughs> Safe dreams. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya! See ya!